Oral questions by members? Member for Surrey White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Years after this Premier promised to take action on high gas prices, people in BC have never paid more at the pump. This hurts families getting to work and school. It's hurting truckers in communities like Surrey and Langley. Kevin is a trucker in Langley who says, and I quote, you explain to me why we're being taxed to death and our government doesn't help us, end quote. My question is to the Premier. Why is this Premier breaking his promise to take action on sky-high gas prices? Government House Leader. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I uh, thank the, uh, the member for his question. Uh, ever since uh, this government's taken office, we have been uh, taking action on an issue of affordability. That includes uh, gas prices and recognizing the cost pressures that people face themselves under uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. As we know, the situation with gas prices is a direct result of the, the situation uh, in Ukraine. It's not... Jeez. Honourable Speaker. Members. Uh, members. They don't, they don't think that Ukraine, the war in Ukraine, is having an impact on gas prices here and right across North America and around the world? How out of touch, Honourable Speaker, how out of touch is that Every gas expert will tell you that's exactly what is happening, Honourable Speaker. That is exactly what is happening. That's why, Honourable Speaker, that there has been a rebate going out to assist people uh, dealing with the cost of living, which includes gas prices. Those checks are going out. Those debits are going out. This very month, Honourable Speaker, action is being taken, and we will continue to do that. Member of Surrey White Rock Supplemental. Thank you. I'll remind the Minister that British Columbia had the highest gas prices before the war in Ukraine, and British Columbia has the highest gas prices during the war in Ukraine. And if Members, and if continue. And if action means by this government $2.22 at the litre in Surrey right now, boy, are we in trouble. Skyrocketing gas prices mean the cost of everything is going up. For a commercial truck to fill up, before it was $650. Now, it's over $1,500. Filling up a tractor used to cost $230. Now, it's over $800 a day. The cost of everything is going up, especially groceries. And it's making it harder for families to put food on the table. Why won't this Premier keep his promise to help us on sky-high gas prices? Minister. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Well, we have been keeping our promise to help uh, British Columbians with the sky-high problems and costs that that government created when they sat on this side of the house. <laughs> Gas prices are going up because of the situation outside of this province in Ukraine. That's a fact they don't want to accept. At the same time, Honourable Speaker, Issues that impact on gas, on, on transportation costs, whether you're truckering or motorist, we've been assisting right from the get-go, removing the tolls. The member wants to talk about service. <laughs> taking the tolls, taking the tolls off the uh, off the uh, the Portman Bridge, has saving businesses. 
tens of thousands of dollars a year, Honourable Speaker. That's been a recommended discovery. Bringing in enhanced care insurance at ICBC, Honourable Speaker. Lowering the cost of insurance by an average of 20 per cent, Honourable Speaker. That's not the All of these measures and more build on themselves, make and deal with costs that have been going up. This government has been, doing that, has been taking action, and we will continue to take more. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, gas prices in Alberta and Washington State are 50, 60, 70 cents a litre less than in British Columbia right now. And last time I checked, the war in Ukraine would be impacting them the same way. The minister wants to talk about out of touch. Well, let's see what the cabinet did, what their priority was to address affordability. They voted themselves a $20,000 retroactive pay raise. Talk about being completely out of touch with the pain British Columbians right now are facing at the top. So here's a very simple question to the Premier. With gas at 2.23 a litre, does the Premier know how much it costs to fill up the average vehicle, family vehicle today? I would love to hear that answer. Government House Leader. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Um, well, as a matter of fact, I can tell you how much it costs to fill up my vehicle the last time it was at the pump. It was $88, Honourable Speaker. That's what it cost to fill up my vehicle. But what I can also tell you is the insurance on my vehicle is 20% cheaper than it was under that side of the, that on this side of the house. And I'm not paying tolls, and I'm not paying tolls to cross the bridge to go over to Syria, Honourable Speaker. And I remember and I remember talking to a small business person who told me that that was saving him $15,000 a month when we did away with that, Honourable Speaker. And I'll tell you what else I don't have to worry about in families in my community that don't have to worry about. They don't have to worry about MSP premiums, Honourable Speaker, which they use as a tax grab on hardworking families, Honourable Speaker. And I know something else, Honourable Speaker, that families have access to the child opportunity benefit that can save them $2,600 a year, Honourable Speaker. That's a huge saving. And I won't even get into uh, the child care savings because we'll save that for no doubt the next question that's coming up. Oh, one more thing while on the topic of transportation. Kids in this province under 12 ride transit for free. Something they never did. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson, supplemental. Thank you. Well, it shows just how touch this minister is. I, I'm not aware of many. I'm not aware of many family vehicles that would run no. on 30 liters of gas and consider that a fill. The average family vehicle right now at 223 is not 80 dollars to fill, contrary to what the minister thinks. It's 200 dollars to fill. 200 dollars to Members. fill at today's prices. And over a third of that. Let's get the question, please. Members, please continue. Over a third of that is taxes and government policies. Under this NDP, since they've taken office, gas is up 90 cents a litre in British Columbia. We are still 50, 60, 70 cents higher than Washington State or Alberta. And let's be clear the NDP has no idea or willingness 
to try to bring any relief at the pump, Mr. Speaker. We have suggested that they could suspend provincial gas taxes like they did in Alberta, which did see a 13 cent a litre drop at the pump. They could give a one-time rebate through the Climate Action Tax Credit, which actually would get into people's pockets faster and is actually based on income, so the lower income people would get more help, not treated the same. Or they could stop taxing the fuel imports like they started on January 1st coming in from Alberta by truck at 25 cents a litre starting January 1st under this government's watch, Mr. Speaker. Will the Premier even consider one of these measures to try to bring some short-term relief to people in British Columbia that simply cannot get by anymore with record high gas taxes in British Columbia? Minister. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. I'll remind the member the question he asked me was how much did it cost to fill my vehicle? That's what he did. Members, that's what I members. answered, Honourable Speaker. It's a family vehicle I drive, Honourable Speaker. I know there's two of us and a dog, but it is still a family vehicle, Honourable Speaker. Now, now, Honourable Speaker, as I said, we have taken significant action on, the, on, on cost drivers that hit families right since we've taken office. And I'll repeat it again for the Honourable uh, Members, because clearly they don't seem to understand that when you eliminate MSP premiums, which they kept jacking up year after year after year that they were in office, that's a huge cost burden. That's a huge cost burden to families, Honourable Speaker. That's a huge cost burden. When you bring in childcare to make it more affordable uh, for families so they're not paying sky-high childcare fees, that's making life more affordable, Honourable Speaker. When you bring in enhanced care and save people 20% on their insurance, that's helping families. That's helping their transportation costs. When you're able to give back rebates, Honourable Speaker, because of those changes, that's money going right back into their pockets, Honourable Speaker. That's helped with all kinds of costs, not just fuel costs, but it helps with food costs. It helps with the challenges that we're facing. And finally, Honourable Speaker, I'll remind the Honourable Member of this fact. Economists who understand the gas market have made it really clear. Cutting, cutting gas taxes for the sake of cutting gas taxes does not guarantee that money goes back into people's pockets. More often than not, it is taken up by the gas companies that jack the price up on the receiver. The rebate, the rebate that is going out right as we speak out in this, out in this month, Honourable Speaker, that's going into people's pockets. That's going to help motorists, Honourable Speaker. Leader of the third party. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Four questions, four answers. We almost got there, but not quite. To the one piece of information here that doesn't seem to get talked about when we talk about gas prices, which is 2021, Big Oil made $174 billion in profits, and that number is rising this year. Oil and gas companies, including the ones in Canada, are taking home a lot of profits, and profits is something that I'm interested in when it comes to our healthcare system, Honourable Speaker. The first quarter finances of TELUS were reported in a May 6 Globe and Mail article. Their profits are also up 21% due to rising revenues. One source of those revenues is TELUS Health, which operates health clinics 
and provides services such as virtual care and health benefits management. It increased its revenues by $17 million. TELUS is planning to expand its health business either by identifying strategic partners or by taking the division public following last year's successful initial public offering of TELUS International. My question to you, Honourable Speaker, is to the Premier. Does the Premier believe that a for-profit corporation should be generating those profits in the publicly funded healthcare sector? Minister of Health. Well, Honourable Speaker, uh, there were percentages and then there were numbers there, and they weren't in the same column. But I would say that um, we have our primary care system in British Columbia, Honourable Speaker, our primary care system in British Columbia, our health care system is more public than it was five years ago. That is the position of the government. We've brought in rules and regulations to ensure that's the case, but we've also taken specific action on primary care, on diagnostic care, on surgical care. All of the hospitals we're building are fully public and 100% public owned, and we're going to continue to take such action. The, the members have raised the issue of TELUS, an issue with respect to one part of their operations. We've referred to the Medical Services Commission, which is how we function under rule of law in British Columbia. And in my view, Honourable Speaker, we have a public health care system with more public health delivery than any be ever before, and we're going to continue to move in that direction. Leader of third party supplemental. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and I'm sure that all the members can recognize we can walk out the back of the legislature and see a TELUS health clinic right there. But it's not just TELUS. It's Maple Healthcare, owned by Shoppers Drug Mart. It's Harrison Healthcare, owned by Copeman Medical. My question, Honourable Speaker, through you, is to the Minister of Health. While the Premier is asking the federal government for more public money for our desperately struggling healthcare system, for-profit corporations are settling into that system. Does he welcome the corporatization of healthcare in British Columbia? Minister of Health. Honourable, Honourable Speaker, you can only make that argument that the system is not becoming more public if you entirely ignore what's going on. In 2017, in 2017, Honourable Speaker, there are 175,000 MRIs done in the public system. In this year, in this year, and that was an area of health care where there was the largest implantation of private care prior to 2017, when people could get a higher place on the list by going to private care in the public system. So that's changed. What was the number this year? During a pandemic, 296,000 in the public system. And, and how did that happen? Not becoming more private, but bringing private MRIs back into the public system, as we did two weeks ago, Honourable Speaker, when, we purchased, when the government purchased two private surgical centres in this area and brought them back into the public system. Honourable Speaker, I would say, Honourable Speaker, that what, ha what is happening across the public health care system is a more public and directed approach and using those public resources more effectively. We've gone from using one MRI machine 24-7 to using 10-24-7, publicly done in the public system with more public health care workers doing the work. Leader of the official opposition. 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Our health care system is crumbling. And for days now, we have been bringing painful, difficult stories from nurses across British Columbia. And yesterday, the minister's answers were completely inadequate when we're talking about a crisis. In fact, he chose to say how proud he was, not once, but eight times. Well, I can tell the minister, we are all proud of the nurses and healthcare workers across this province, the ones in the gallery, the ones who are going to be on the front lawn shortly, but they are not here to celebrate. None of us should be proud of the unsustainable situation in healthcare in British Columbia today under this minister's watch. British Columbians deserve better. The minister's empty rhetoric does not address the daily reality of nurses in our province. Stories of anger, frustration, heartbreak. When will the minister end the empty rhetoric, stand up, acknowledge the reality of nurses today in British Columbia, and do something to fix the problems? Minister of Health. Well, uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and thanks to the member for her question. It is beyond dispute that the last two years, and indeed the last four months, have been fundamentally challenging for nurses, for health science professionals, for doctors, for healthcare workers. In the past week, for example, we had a level of absence in the system largely due to COVID-19 that was almost twice the ordinary level, including during the last year, and that has presented exceptional challenges on the ground. What I'm proud of is the work of our healthcare professionals and our healthcare workers who had one of the highest weeks of surgery in the most recent recorded week in April in the, in the history of British Columbia while this is going on. I am proud of that, in spite of all the challenges we're facing. I'm proud of the fact that we were last in orthopedic surgery in 2017, and the Canadian Institute for Health Information reports today that the 90th percentile were first on hip replacements, first on knee replacements, first on cataracts, key areas of measurement of, the, of quality healthcare delivered, last to first. I am proud of that. And I'm proud of the nurses and the doctors and the healthcare workers who did that work. There are exceptional challenges right now in our healthcare system. Two public health emergencies and a profound impact on the daily reality of nurses in hospitals, in the community, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic and the public health emergency. That's why yesterday I was specific about the actions we were taking. Training more nurses, making it easier for internationally educated nurses to come. The measures we've taken in Northern Health and other places, these are specific actions, not rhetoric, just actions. Leader of the official opposition, supplemental. Well, certainly what's not up for debate is that every member of this legislature is proud of what nurses and health worker, healthcare workers and frontline workers have done every day during the pandemic and before that. But what the minister needs to realize is the impact that his words have when he seemingly dismisses the real issues that are facing nurses today. We're also concerned about the apparent disconnect between the Premier and the Minister because perhaps he should talk to the Premier. Uh, last week, two weeks ago, the Premier said, and I quote, time spent talking about new programs while existing programs are, are crumbling, I think it's wasted time. It's right across the board. This is a crisis, end quote. Those are the words of the Premier. 
If the Premier has decided and agreed that it is a crisis in health care across British Columbia, then it is time for this minister to recognize the concerns of nurses that are here today and those across the province. When will he stand up and take specific actions? Yesterday, he said, clearly we need to do more. Can the minister outline exactly what else he's going to do? Minister of Health. Well, uh, thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. And I, I think this is a pattern, and I don't think it's a good one. I um, engage with nurses all the time, with their representatives and with nurses everywhere. I attended and talked to many nurses last night, talked to them about their issues, what they're facing on the ground. We are facing, in our public health care system right now, exceptional levels, for example, of absences. This isn't an excuse, it's just a fact that people deal with every day in the public health care system to ignore it is to ignore their issues, to ignore the fact that this sixth wave of COVID-19 with the Omicron variant of concerns and its sub-variant has had a huge impact again on the healthcare workforce. And not, and not for nothing, there were five previous waves that also affected the healthcare workforce. It affected them in every single possible way in terms of absences, which affect shifts, in effect of its impact on patients in every way, the impact on the individuals involved, the fact that with the public health emergency that's the overdose crisis and the public health emergency that's COVID-19, people have had personal experiences, and nurses in particular, personal experiences, often on behalf of family members who haven't been able to visit at bedtime, that have been profound and life-changing in terms of outlook. You bet I hear what nurses are saying. And that's why we're taking specific measures, many of them recommended to me by nurses, to make things better. Member for Kairou Chilkotan. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The other day, um, I said there was a difference between concern and action. Minister, if there is a pattern being built here, it's one of you ignoring the comments in this nurses. A surgeon of 28 years' experience has left Caribou Memorial Hospital. Another doctor has made it clear that she is also leaving. And now I have a letter from 17 of 19 operating room nurses and 11 of 13 operating room physicians. Mr. Speaker, collectively, they are calling for, and I quote, immediate actions to ensure a safe working environment and prevention of further harassment, bullying, and intimidation of staff." End quote. My constituents deserve better. Will the minister commit today to immediately dealing with these this serious issue so that not a single doctor or nurse leaves? Minister of Health. Thank you uh, very much, Honourable Speaker. And uh, I think the member talks about action. In Williams Lake, there's been action. I went to Williams Lake. The member will know this. He wasn't an MLA at the time, but he'll know this. My first trip as Minister of Health. And doctors and nurses and healthcare workers came to me and said, we've got to rebuild the hospital. We've been waiting for years and years and years and years and years. But there are four temperature zones in the pharmacy. And so what did we do? We went ahead with that project that you've been waiting for years and years and years and years. It's going ahead and it's being built. We've added, 
we've added in, in, the, in the region a primary care network to support primary care. We've added staffing at all the long-term care homes. We've invested in healthcare, and we're taking the specific actions being taken for nurses and for others in the workplace in every healthcare facility across BC. I appreciate the exceptional challenge, particularly in interior health, because while well, we've had a wave of COVID-19 now, the member will know, it's been challenging essentially in the interior since last July, unremittently challenging. So I hear the concern, of course I do. We've lived the concern together, all of us as communities. We've lived these concerns together and they continue to be challenging. And we're gonna to continue to support doctors and nurses and health sciences professionals and healthcare workers in Williams Lake. Member for Kelowna Mission. Thank you so much, Honorable Speaker. While the minister continues to victory laps on empty rhetoric, while nurses and staff are not being heard and our hospitals are falling apart, this minister has done nothing to address, listen to, or respond to the concerns of the doctors and nurses about the toxic environment that is driving so many to leave. Here's another nurse, and I quote, ICU seven nurses short last night and had triple assignments. If something tragic were to happen because our workload is unsustainable, what is protecting us or our licenses, end quote. Will the minister act now to fix the crisis that is across BC and in our hospitals? Minister of Health. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And uh, members may wish to pretend that we haven't been through and aren't living through a public health emergency two public health emergencies throughout the last couple of years, which have affected people. They've affected people in Kelowna. They've affected people everywhere else. And, and uh, what I would say, though, and what's clear, people talk about staffing and not providing supporting and not taking action, action on nurses, action on health sciences professionals, 6,600 more people in the long-term care sector, Honourable Speaker. There are today, from 2018, 38,312 more people working in the public health care system. And, the, and, and here's what else is true. We were at the bottom of national ratings in 2017. So that 38,000 may not be enough and is not enough. And that's why we're continuing to train people and support people. And we've taken all of the specific actions I've listed. And it question period is not long enough to list off all of those actions. And we will continue to, but we're gonna have a forum soon where we'll have that exchange at length uh, in, uh, in this legislature. And I look forward to the exchanges, the positive ideas, which always happen during estimates from members of the opposition as well. But the record is pretty clear. We are increasing nursing, we are supporting nurses, and this is the hardest time ever to work in nursing because we're living through two public health emergencies. Opposition House Leader. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, yesterday and today, uh, the official opposition has raised uh, a series of specific concerns that uh, have been provided to us by specific nurses and doctors in hospitals and healthcare settings uh, across the province. And each of these stories that we've cited, whether it be in Kelowna or Kamloops or Williams Lake or elsewhere, um, are uh, 
they have a, a common theme of, of, a, of a healthcare system that's in crisis. And the healthcare workers who are in the midst of that crisis are crying out uh, for this minister to listen to them. They don't feel like they're, that they're, they're being heard. At, at Royal Inland Hospital, uh, at Royal Inland Hospital, the, the, the leaked information uh, that has been provided to us indicates that, that that hospital is operating at a nine to one patient to nurse ratio, nine to one. According to uh, additional data, over the next two months, there are nearly 20,000 unfilled shift hours in the ICU and the emergency department at Royal Inland Hospital. And we heard yesterday about uh, three ER nurses on one shift looking after uh, 40 patients with 40 more patients waiting at Royal Inland. We heard about Kelowna General where there was one nurse on a shift responsible for 54 patients at the same time. We've heard about the situation in Williams Lake at Caribou Memorial where 28 out of 32 operating room doctors and nurses are saying enough is enough. They're not sure how much longer they can do it. And they may follow colleagues who have already walked out the door. Mr. Speaker, this is a crisis impacting hospitals and care right across the province. Now, to be clear, we are not questioning the minister's heart here. We're not questioning his motivations. But what we are saying, what these nurses are saying, is that this situation is unacceptable. And they want this minister to listen to them. And so the minister has an opportunity again today with a whole bunch of nurses sitting up in the gallery, many, many more watching, to address these nurses directly, acknowledge the specific situations that we have cited, and speak to the specific actions that he's going to take now to address this dire and worsening healthcare reality. Will the minister do that here today? Minister of Health. Well, Honourable Speaker, I think um, uh, we have over the last um, two years and with respect to the overdose public health emergency over the last six years faced unprecedented times. No community in BC, and I've talked to the Honourable Member and I've talked to him uh, out of here and I've talked to him in here about this, no community in BC and no group of healthcare workers has done as much under more difficult circumstances than the healthcare workers and the nurses in Kamloops, some of whom are here, whom I spoke to last night. COVID, the COVID public health emergency has hit Kamloops hard. The overdose public health emergency has hit Kamloops hard. The heat dome, the wildfires, we had people in those communities, and members in the region know this, we had people moving from 100 Mile House to Kamloops, from Merritt to Kamloops. This is a group of workers. This is a group of workers, talk about celebrating, who should be celebrated for their courage, for their diligence, for their dedication. Since January of 2021, we've hired 200 more nurses at Royal Inland Hospital. We're hiring more as we lead to the period when we open the new tower at Royal Inland Hospital. We've added nursing, uh, nursing places both for nurse practitioners and for nurses at Thompson Rivers University. We are adding staff and adding supports all the time, and we're going to continue to do that. But what also is true, and this is where I think the Honourable Member and I can agree, this has been an unprecedented situation for everyone in BC. But no group of healthcare workers, none in the entire province, 
deserves our gratitude more than the nurses and the health care workers and families. The bell ends the question period.